He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And we are recapping the first tournament of 2024. Yes, it's here. Golf season is here. And we just had our first signature event of the year on the PGA Tour. I'm fired up about that. Plus, we got the Sony Open coming up this week that we'll help you guys prep for. And then we're talking about the GOAT leaving Nike, and we'll explain why the headline is a little misleading when we talk about Tiger Woods leaving Nike. T-Dub, what's up? How was the weekend? Oh, great weekend, Sam. We had our first elevated event of the season. Had a little NFL football going on, regular season wrapped up so we had all that going on had a national championship game this uh, this last monday between michigan and washington so we're right around the time now sam to where we are getting done with football season we still obviously have the nfl going on but then we're as soon as we get closer to april woody we got the masters coming on so even though this last full elevate event wasn't necessarily the the actual you know you have to must watch television we've seen we're slowly we're slowly creeping up to augusta time and that's really what matters for us I think what we're doing is kind of mix-mashing all these sports. Like you said, college football's over. That's great, except Oklahoma or Oklahoma State wasn't in the national championship game, especially Oklahoma State. It's never going to be there, but sorry for my OSU fans out there. I'm a realist. Um, I'll tell you, though, guys, I wasn't that impressed with this first signature event. Uh, and maybe I'm just not into my golf mode yet, but that was kind of, um, well, boring. <laughs> it's what I would say. Even though they were making a birdie every hole, I, I still didn't get into this golf tournament. Yeah, maybe that was just me, but I'm just I just didn't get into this tournament this weekend. Well, I understand that, Woody. Sometimes these birdie fests do kind of turn into boring golf tournaments because there's not real danger lurking around the corner. Now, we did see some great shots. Let's go ahead and say it, that Chris Kirk wins the first signature event of the year at the Century at Kapalua, wins a cool $3.6 million. And Chris Kirk has a great story, obviously battled the alcoholism and has come back and revitalized his career and he had some unreal shots in this tournament, fellas. The unreal shot on 17 from 209 yards out to a couple feet for the birdie and the one-shot lead just kind of pounded that nice draw right down the middle of the fairway all week. And he putted really nice this week, but he didn't do anything super special. He didn't lead the field in strokes gained putting or strokes gained off the tee. He just outboringed everybody else, T-Dub. He really did. That final round in particular, he was just striping the driver, gaining about .69 shots nice on the field, off the tee. He just was hitting the fairway every single time, which those fairways are pretty generous, so it's not necessarily saying much. But when you just do it repetitively, shot after shot after shot, it was very impressive. And then you mentioned the shot on 17 where he really won the tournament. He won the tournament by one shot over Thigala, but what that allowed Kirk to do was he could go to the par 5 18th with a, a one-shot lead, so he knew that he was able to par instead of being tied with the Gala, and he would have to try to force a birdie 
on that hole. It's not the hardest par five in the world, but yeah, going into that hole, knowing you can make a five, you can play it so much differently because you can take the left side on the on the approach shot out of play, which is exactly what he did. Hit a little five iron down there, just 50 yards from the green, put a little wedge up there, two-putted for his par to get the trophy $3.6 million later. Thank you very much. But really, we talked about this at the Honda Classic, guys, when he won there last year. Just how That was kind of where he was able to turn it all around, the alcoholism he dealt with. That's a very, very serious deal. And since then, he's played some very solid golf. He's had five top 25 since that stretch at the end of 2023. And then his win this week, Woody, propels him up to number one for this season, obviously, in the FedEx Cup standing. So that sets him up very pretty for a possibility to get to Eastlake at the end of the year. So even though it's January, the first week of January, actually, there is still a lot riding on the line. And even though it wasn't as entertaining, because I do agree, whenever you have an absolute birdie fest like that, there are times where it can be entertaining. And there was some entertainment there. But at the same time, you have guys out there there because you have all those par fives. It's a par 73. Then you also have drivable par fours out there. You got fairways where balls are rolling 400 yards. Max Homa had the longest drive since shot length was invented in 2002 out there. So there was bombs everywhere, Woody. There was some entertainment, but I agree with you. There was a little bit left to be desired for sure. I think it's sometimes harder to stay focused with your driver when the fairways are that big. I mean, as Brendan Still, he hit one off. Basically, I think he missed the whole island of Maui with the shot he hit on 14. It was so bad at a golf shot. So, you know, I I think sometimes when the fairways are that wide, you get lulled into thinking, well, I can't miss this. And then all of a sudden you put a swing like he did on one. So, yeah, kudos to Kirk because he – I mean, he was focused, guys. He, he did play – maybe it's because Chris Kirk is so boring. Trust me, his golf swing looks like I'm about to fall asleep. It's so slow and smooth. His denemer is, there's no ups or downs in him, it looks like at all. So, you know, I, I guess he's kind of boring, so that's why I thought the term was boring. But he still shot 29 under par. <laughs> yes, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't care where you're playing golf. You can call anywhere you want easy, but 29 under par, that is flat getting it done. So... Yeah, great start to the year for him. Let's see if he builds, because he did mention he is really interested in playing that President's Cup this year, guys. So if he is, he'll stay focused, and hopefully he'll have a big year. And uh, maybe next year when it comes around, he's a superstar, and we won't have to be going, well, yeah, another mule one. No doubt about it. And to T-Dub's point about Max Homa, quoted a tweet on Twitter and said, for it being uphill into the wind with no roll, I was pretty proud of this one. Talking about his 477-yard drive. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as Chris Kirk goes, my, it goes back to what my old coach Bill Brogdon would always say at the University of Tulsa. He would always say, boring golf is good golf. And that's most of the time he said that. That's when I was trying some idiotic shot out of the trees, fellas. So a lot of times, boring golf is great golf. And we saw some great golf. Let's uh, let's talk about Jordan Spieth for a second. We'll circle back to Sahithi Gala, who finished solo second. But Jordan Spieth finishes solo third. First of all, great call, Woody. I think you picked Jordan Spieth to win this golf tournament. He shoots 27 under, 8 under on the final day. And he had a legitimate chance to win this golf tournament, but plugged it in the bunker off the tee on the par 4 16th hole. And that was kind of the ball game right there for Jordan Spieth because he had to lay out of the bunker, ends up making bogey. And like we talked about, Chris Kirk was not making any mistakes whatsoever down the stretch, but really good play from Jordan Spieth. What did you see from him this week, T-Dub? 
saw some very good things from Jordan Spieth. He gained more than half a shot on the green putting, so that is something to look forward to. He was his short, uh, around the green game. He gained more than half a shot there. The things that were alarming were his, really his ball striking in particular. He barely gained shots approach and then lost shots off the tee. And you look at how, what he did on Sunday in particular, where he lost more than a half a shot off the tee and then almost lost a full shot approach to green. So really was a little bit loose with his swing there. Tried to have a short game, bail him out a little bit. But from a lot of things that Woody said leading into the week, I thought were, were very true. I think that Spieth is going to have a better 2024 than he did 2023. Looks like to him adjusting to uh, being a, a recent new father, that is something that will be good for him as well. The thing he's going to have to watch out for that's declined over these last four or five years, in particular, Woody, is just his accuracy. He's a lot more wayward off the tee than he used to be, and we've, we've, talked, we've documented it entirely how his pre-shot routine is just atrocious to look at. But at, at a certain point, if you're trying to do all the stuff like that, you know there's something going on between the ears that isn't right. And the fact that his swing can get as loose as it does Woody at times is a little bit alarming, but maybe if he can just kind of break through and get another win. He hasn't had a win since the 2022 Heritage, and there's been moments where, like this one where he had a chance to do it and just a few swings cost him here or there. So maybe if he breaks through again, maybe those things will start to change. But at this point, you got to be a little bit wary of speed whenever he gets down the stretch. Well, we were t- the only reason why I picked him is because of his New Year's resolution. Says he's going to try to free it up a little bit more and not be so uh, swing oriented and just play golf like he did when he was younger. And I think that's the only reason I got he got my attention because if he does that, guys, he's dangerous. He is good. He was never a great driver of the golf. T.W. Wright over the last couple of three years since he started messing with his golf swing, his driver has gotten really uh, to be. I would think is one of the things that will keep him from winning. His short game has never really deviated. Although, as our buddy Kisner was saying, it's a three-footer, Jordan. Just knock it in, okay? <laughs> he he gets to grind, and sometimes on those little putts where I didn't used to see that. So I'm still, even though he finished third, I saw a lot of things that still give me a little heart palpitations to think that he's going to be the Jordan Spieth that's winning the majors again. I, I still don't see that, guys. I, I, I'd i like to think I'm, he's going to be really there, but I don't see it, no. But maybe Jordan Spieth with a guy like John Rahm gone from the PGA Tour and a guy like Rory who wasn't at this signature event, maybe Jordan Spieth can put his name up there on leaderboards like this week and you know, put some good weeks, stack good weeks on top of good weeks, and then you might see old elite Jordan Spieth at some point. He still has all the ability in the world, especially around the green. Some of the shots that he's able to hit even this week on that grainy Bermuda nasty when you're into the grain chip shots, he has all the shots in the world. So I was impressed with Jordan Spieth, especially to shoot 27 under in his first tournament of 2024. I said we'll circle back. Let's talk about Sahithi Gali. He gets a cool $2.2 million for finishing second at Kapalua this week, and he did it because he shot a 10-under bogey-free final round, and obviously he was playing ahead of Chris Kirk. He did miss a 10-footer on 18 that would have essentially sent it into a playoff, but he didn't know that at the time. But unbelievable golf from Sahithi Gallen. When I think about Sahith, I think that some people just know him from the Netflix TV show, and he almost was portrayed as like this young, almost kind of dumb, you know, young guy that uh, is a lovable underdog. I don't know, but 
it, it was a completely different Sahithi Gala from what I knew in college playing against him when he played at Pepperdine, fellas. This guy was a world beater, and he was a can't-miss guy. He bombs it off the tee, and he has all the talent in the world. This guy is an up-and-coming star, in my opinion, and if he gets that confidence on the PGA Tour, especially after winning a tournament like the Fortinet, finishing second in a tournament like the Century, if this guy gets a little bit of confidence like he had in college that he can go out there and win any single tournament, the world better look out because we talk about Ludwig Bear having all the talent in the world. A guy like Sahithi Gala has a ton of talent as well, and I'm excited to see where his career progresses to. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Sam. He's, he's only 26 years old, and he's 26 player analytically currently. This kid has a very bright future for the things that you mentioned. Hits the ball a very, very long ways off the tee, is a great putter, great around the greens, and above average iron play. Very similar to what we were talking about, about speed. He's a little bit wayward off the tee, so that is something to look at and get a little bit loose. Plays a very, very patented fade out there. You saw him a lot of times at Kapalua, aiming way up the left side. I'm thinking, man, that ball's going to need to come back quite a bit. He's going to get there, but sure enough, it would do it every single time. He has great control of, of a lot of aspects of his game. And this week in particular, gained more than a shot and a half, or gained right around a shot and a half on the greens and gained more than a full shot with his irons and is off the tee, where it really cost him Woody was in between was in between the first and the and final round because he shot nine under leading off the tournament, had the lead, then follows it up with a four under, which usually would be pretty good. But this tournament, you're getting absolutely boat raced. Then he shot five under in the third round, and then comes back with a ten under, as Sam mentioned earlier. Sixty three could have been sixty two if he would have been able to cash that putt in on the last hole. And it's just crazy. We were talking earlier about how easy the course played in that final round, Woody. The scoring average was sixty six. Point six seven. That was, with it being a par 72, that was more than six under par was the average out there. So when we look at the Heath 10 under, it's obviously great golf. But anytime you can shoot a 63, it's going to be very impressive. But with the scoring average, it's better than the field average. We've definitely seen better than that over the course of the history of the game. Well, this, of course, didn't give you any real indication of what necessarily was a good score. But 10 under is 10 under. So... I think when you look at this week, and we'll see next week in the start of this year, guys, I'm looking to see who's going to come up, who's going to step up that wants to get in that signature group of tournaments and be the future of golf, which is probably going to be 70, 80 to 100 guys playing the big events, and everybody else is going to be regulated down to smaller events. So, Seath uh, is a guy that looks like to me he is he's wanting to say guys I'm I'm this guy I need to stay I'm you need to make room for me so I don't know I think this is early this spring we're going to maybe see a number of these guys that we know can play we know are really good we still got to see if Will Zales Torres can come back with his new broom putter he's another kid that we also was a can't miss Cameron Young. We got to see what he's going to do. Uh, there, there's a number of guys. You guys are know them better than I do, but there's a number of them. They're going to really have to show me that they're ready to say, "Yeah, I'm one of the top guys. I'm one of the elite. I need to be in that group." So let's see what happens in the next few months and see if uh, see if he keeps playing to that. And if he does, I won't be surprised. No doubt about it. Right now, Data Golf has Sahithi Gala as the 26th best player in the world. And I'm excited, like I said, to see how his career progresses. So we had Chris Kirk winning the golf tournament, the Gala in second, Speed in third. You had 
the U.S. AM champion from Southern Hills back in the day, Ben On, finished solo fourth place. He just got a cool $975,000 for finishing fourth place at 26 under par. Then you had a slew of guys tied for fifth at 25 under par. And the first guy we have to mention out of this group that tied for fifth is Sung J M. Sung J M shot 10 under in the final round. And fellas, he broke the all-time birdie record for a 72-hole event on the PGA Tour. This week, he had 34 birdies. How would you guys like to have 34 birdies in a golf tournament in 72 holes and lose the golf tournament by four shots, (laughs) T-Dub? It would be absolutely crazy just just to put it into perspective where you're like, how do you make 34 birdies and not win the tournament? So we're talking about Chris Kirk earlier, how great golf he played made one bogey for the entire tournament. JM, he makes one bogey in the first round. He makes one bogey in the second round. The third round of the day was a little bit windy, but he had, he bogeyed number two, number three, number eight, number 13, and made a double on 17, and then actually had a bogey in the final round whenever he shot 10 under. So, Woody, the birdies were absolutely there, but he was a make-or-miss kind of guy. There was very few pars on his scorecard for 72 holes. Yeah, I can I can feel his pain. I've told you guys that story. The first PGA I ever played in was in uh, Florida at where they play the Honda Classic there. I made 17 birdies and an eagle in 72 holes, and I think I shot 10 or 12 over. Now you do you do that math. That's enough driving crazy. I mean talk so, about a roller coaster. Uh, oh my gosh, I was Peter Phantom. Uh so um I can't thirty four birdies. I mean, this whole week, like I said, I I I I can't really relate to how low they're shooting. I I wonder what they'll do at the Sony this week coming up because that's a little bit tougher golf course. So I hope the scores come back quite a bit because I don't know. I I I mean, Colby was talking about last week. It didn't matter if you shot a good golf tournament could be twenty five under or even par. So. I'm more the guy that likes to eat and par. I, I, I don't want them to eat it up the way they did this last week. But in all fairness, if you weren't making birdies, you were backing up. But 34, gee whiz, wow. Unbelievable. And yeah. like I said, tied for fifth, uh, they got $690.5,000 for tying for fifth place at the Century. And Sung J.M., Brian Harmon, who obviously his caddy, Scott Tway, friend of the show here, J.T. Poston, Colin Morikawa, and Scotty Scheffler all tied for fifth at 25 under. Teed up from Scotty and Morikawa's perspective, They both lost over half a shot per round on the greens for the event. Kind of different tournament, same story for both of those guys who are premier ball strikers, maybe the best two ball strikers in the world. Um, But the putter sometimes comes and goes. That's what I was about to say, Sam. You would have thought 2024 maybe had some New Year's resolutions, something to maybe get these guys to learn how to make a damn putt. And absolutely not. No, just not going to happen. And you look at them from a ball striking perspective, perspective they were second and third this week in stroke scan approach Lucas Glover was the only other person he finished 29th so it puts into perspective how bad of a putter that Lucas Glover had this week but yeah Woody those guys they're gonna have to figure out some time to putt but what you can count on more than likely is one or two events a year where those putters just actually they actually do make some putts for once in a while when they hit it that good and then they'll go off and win by multiple shots like Scotty's done numerous times and then call, like Colin Moore Cowboys did uh, this past year at the Zozo. 
Oh yeah, when they you know, that, that's the, what do they always tell you guys. God will never give everybody everything. Okay, He can't. Think about the dinosaur. Except Why for did Tiger Woods. Rat? <laughs> well, Tiger Woods was as close as I ever came. I always said he had a pack. He, he's had plenty of consequences for sure. Well, yeah, That's yeah. Right. But yeah. I mean, when when you look when you look at that, like I said, the the dinosaur. Who was the biggest, baddest dinosaur? The Tyrannosaurus Rex. Think what he'd have been if he had long arms. <laughs> oh my! Then he's really been big. And so That's right. you know, this this is this is when we look at it. Scotty Sheffer won't cut bad every week, but when he hits it as good as he and both he and Cole Marikawa, it's almost a darn if you do, darn if you don't. I think if they hit it a little worse, they'd cut better. Okay, their numbers would be better at putting. So they're such good ball strikers. Those guys aren't allowed to have great putting weeks every week because if they did, it'd be the Scotty and Collins show. It wouldn't be the PGA Tour. Cole Marikawa and Scotty Shepard win every week because they hit it better than everybody else. So that's that's why I say they can't do it. They want they aren't allowed to. They're going to have their good weeks, and when they do, they're going to win. So, but other than that, when we look at the tour as we know it. And we're starting to see the same things every week, aren't we, guys? Those guys are the best ball strikers. Uh, these mules, as we call them, are this second layer of tour pros that we don't think – a lot of people don't think are good. I think they're all fantastic. But they're going to come up on given weeks, too. Would the PGA Tour love all those superstars win every week? Yeah, but it's not going to happen because all these other guys are just darn near as good. And when they have their right week – Boom. There it is. Chris Kirk wins. <laughs> no doubt about it, Woody. Woody, I think you just termed uh, or gave Scotty Scheffler the nickname that we're going to use for him for the year when he hits the ball great and putts bad. We're going to call him Scotty T-Rex Scheffler of the year. There you go. You can't have everything. There you go. You can't have everything. Yep. You can't have long arms can't and you everything. can't have a putter. Guys, I mean, obviously this was the first signature event of the year. $3.6 million, like I said, to Chris Kirk, whose estimated career earnings – up to this point was $29.6 million. $3.6 million is a big chunk, fellas. And so I thought that Chris Kirk really handled it great coming down the stretch and all the pressure of life-changing money for a guy like Chris Kirk or some of the other guys up there like DeGala or Ben On, um, not as much speed, who's made millions and millions of dollars. But you get my point that we're going to see some great stories coming down the stretch and some great pressure coming down the stretch just due to that money, T-Dub, is getting so big that this is life-changing money if you're not just some superstar on the PGA Tour. And I thought Chris Kirk did a heck of a job. He did. He stayed very composed down the stretch. you got to look back and think that he was able to win at the Honda was a big thing because let's not forget at that tournament, he did hit his second shot in the water. Almost cost him the tournament, but being able to win right there definitely gives you the confidence you need. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how rich you are, $3.6 million, unless you're Jeff Bezos. But still, even at that point, you can find a lot of things to do with $3.6 million. I'm sure those Hawaii taxes are probably going to take out quite a bit, so that's something you have to look at but then we also have to look at guys Chris Kirk maybe a guy that we need to start looking at going forward he's the 41st player in analytically 25th in OWGR and so maybe he goes comes off and maybe wins another tournament here there then all of a sudden we gotta look at Chris Kirk as maybe a guy to uh to start favoring a little bit more than we are because you mentioned the money thing and let's just say Chris Kirk hasn't been 
He's not he's not gonna be on the scene as many commercials as Ricky Fowler is with. Well, but Ricky's not on all that was before because he lost his farmer's contract. But here's something to think about, guys. When we talk about these monies and careers and how they're going to go, it's kind of like a world ranking points. It's going to get excused really quick because with these signature events and with this $20 million purses, I mean, you're going to see guys have $20, $25, 30000000 million years. And – Good Lord, that that was so unheard of. Most guys' careers didn't even sniff that. Go go look up where I was playing. Look up Curtis Strange. Look up Greg Norman. Uh, look up Ernie Els. Uh, these guys that were really the superstars when I was playing golf, Nick Price, they didn't make any money compared to what this is going to be. So it's I can't really relate that. I don't. I don't think. I do think it's still a lot of pressure. I can't even imagine trying to hit a golf shot for $3.6 million. But I think that it's going to get kind of um, out of control with how much money there's going to be in golf in the next 10 to 15 years. And I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of that. You know, Sam, you've always said they deserve that, and they deserve as much as these major league baseball and NBA and NFL – and if they can get it, more power to them. Because I think, I think the numbers are going to just keep going up, guys. I really do. Like I've been saying all along, Woody, over this past four years, golf has surpassed baseball as the third most popular sport to watch on TV in the United States. And I think these guys are finally getting what they deserve. So good for them and great for a guy like Chris Kirk. The last thing on Kirk that I was going to bring up is, yes, like we saw this week, he's very stone-cold, no-emotion type guy, but when you look at his results, they're very streaky. Like last year, he had an eight-tournament stretch where he missed six cuts, and then in the other two tournaments, he finished 14th and 21st. Um, so Chris Kirk this year maybe needs to focus on consistency a little more, um, but obviously he won the Honda last year, so he definitely has the talent. This isn't just a flash in the pan, fellas, but talk about you know guys that are streaky and, and why they might be streaky, Tita. Well, what can happen is look at, look at Chris Kirk, what he did last year when he won. At the Honda's next tournament, Arnold Palmer, good field finish, 39th, very respectfully, but then misses a cut at the players and then plays very poorly at the match play. After that, was able to come and finish 10th and 23rd the next two tournaments after that, the Valero and the Masters. But what you'll see is, I mean, whenever you whenever you have $3.6 million hit the bank account, your your mind goes a little bit weary. We're not all like Victor Hovland who gets $18 million and is out grinding on the range 48 hours later. A very few people have this in them. Whenever you get life chain money, in his bank account, you're not changing this. Even after that, it comes to perspective of golf is just a fickle game. We can all attest to it. You'll be on the range one day and think you've got this whole damn game figured out and that you'll never miss a shot again. You'll go to bed, you'll wake up the next morning and feel like the club's a, a rattlesnake in your hands. And actually, you, you don't have your sight lines right. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong in the game. And it can take you a, a little bit to, to grind out of it, especially on the PGA Tour when the margin of error is so fine that if you just miss one putt, around you're more you're going to go from being a top 10 player to missing cuts so what do you can attest to it better than, than we can how fine the line is out on the highest level oh it's it's so fine it's a joke i mean it, it you know when people look at it who's making who isn't it, it is such a fine line tw and, and you guys are right when you when you look at 
things that change people's life. Money is one of the things that changes people's life probably the most. And some people are good with it. Some people are not so good with it. But I think with Chris Kirk, as well as a number of these guys, Kirk, because we know he has battled a disease that anybody that has battled that alcoholism will tell you it's never gone. It never leaves them. Okay. So for this guy, he, he's going to have some emotional ups and downs that we don't know about. And that's, I think that's the hardest thing when you look at the PGA Tour pros. You have no idea what is going on in their life. All we get to see is what do they do at that golf tournament? Why, why do he win one week and then he shoots 80 the next week? Well, for all you know, his kid had an appendectomy. We don't know. There's so much out there that we don't know. So that's why. I think it's rare, very rare, that you you see a Tiger Woods or a Jack Nicklaus or somebody that can just block out so many other things and get so focused that they can dominate. Most human beings are not wired that way. They're just not. There's a few goats, as you guys call them, and all the rest of us are, are, are sheep just running along and getting our good grass field to eat. And then we go and we lay down to take a nap. Okay. Because that's what a lot of them do. Hey, I'm fat and happy now. I'm not going to play very well for a while, but then I'll come back. And I think that's what we see. Yeah. You definitely see that a lot on the PGA tour. Speaking of the PGA tour, the next signature event on the PGA Tour is the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am on January 29th through February 4th. But before then, we need to preview the Sony Open coming up next week. And we got a couple other uh, fun topics in the game of golf to cover with you guys. But we're going to go ahead and hit a break here. If you're not already following us on the 73rd hole or at 73rd hole on Twitter and Instagram, definitely make sure and go do that. And also hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts as well. It's absolutely free. It'll just help us out and give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. You can also hear our episodes on golfoklahoma.org as well as thesportsanimal.com and the Sports Animal app as well. Like I said, time to take a break here. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd hole. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. back here on the other side of the break on the 73rd hole podcast the official podcast 
of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you again this segment. And, fellas, we got some interesting news in the golf world. Obviously, we'll talk about Tiger Woods leaving Nike here in a second, but some other news came out today. Um, a lot of people were interested in knowing what John Rahm's team name was going to be that he's the new captain of on Live. And that team name came out today, and I got to be honest, fellas, it's pretty weak. <laughs> it's Legion 13, and it's Legion 13, and 13 is spelled like the Roman numerals you see in the Super Bowl. It's X-I-I-I, Legion X-I-I-I is the name for John Rahm's new live team. T-Dub, I got to be honest, if I was brainstorming for a name to make John Rahm's team, that would have never come up. Oh, it's definitely off the wall, but I absolutely love it. The historical team name, that just gets me going right there. This is the Roman Legion. They had a very massive impact in Spain. That's the reason they picked the name. They were the Royal Forces for Julius Caesar's Special Forces Unit. That seems like a pretty cool deal to me, Woody. So I think it is a little bit off the wall, but I think if you actually know what it means, I think it's really cool. Well, there's your problem, though, T-Dub. Not very many people are historians like you are. Now, I agree with you because this is the first time I've heard that name when you guys mentioned it. I wasn't sure what it was, and then I thought, well, it's got to be something. And then, of course, the teacher in our group just educated me. (laughs) I didn't know it either, Woody. (laughs) Well, 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 here's the problem. The average golf fan won't know that, okay? They're not going to know what that is, and that's too bad because it is a cool name when you understand the history of it. But when you're looking for a, you know, a name, Range Goat was kind of more fun than <laughs> Legion 13. But if you look at how big a deal it was to get John Rom to go to live, I guess there is some history there. So, I, I let's see how Legion 13 works. First off, does he have a team yet? Has anybody signed up with him yet that you guys have heard? I don't think so. T-Dub, have I missed one? I thought I saw somewhere where they had their, their first one. I, I'll have to double-check to confirm that. But I saw where they, they got someone. It was just an, an off-the-wall name. I mean, fellas, I, I get it that, that it's a historical historical name. But at the same time, I was trying to figure out when I saw this this morning what 13 had to do with golf. And I couldn't figure out anything other than, you know, the 13th hole or something that he might have liked. But Legion 13, you say, has historical value back to the Roman Empire is what you're saying, Tito? That is correct, yes. Yeah, it was uh, an infantry unit for Julius Caesar. And they actually lasted for about 500 years. So there was numerous other emperors that were there a long time. But, yeah, some historical impact. And they had a lot of influence in Spain, as I was mentioning earlier. So that was definitely a very cool thing to uh, to see them do that. And, yes, you're exactly exactly right. If you don't know what the, the history of it and you're just in the live shop like we saw up at Cedar Ridge and you're like, ooh, let me see the, the logo or let me see something. Unless they come up with a badass looking 13 or something like that, I don't see very many people, many people that aren't Spaniards at least, uh, grabbing and trying to get that memorabilia. It's not quite. Yeah, it's it's team, not quite as simple team as Team Smash. Which, by the way, fellas, no, no. we're a Team Smash podcast now, right? Are we following TG to Smash, or are we still Range Goats? Oh. No, no, no. We got to go with our guy. We got to. We got to go with our guy. Of we're course, bandwagon Smash Powell fans too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well that's the crushers. We can't forget. You know, we can't forget Charles Howell, You know, 
T-Dub, I guess my point is, you think about it, it's like, Charles Howe, who do you play for? I play for the Crushers. Or uh, TG says, I play for Smash. Or, you know, Bubba Watson and, and Matthew Wolf play for the Range Goats, right? And then you got Legion 13. <laughs> it does, it honestly, now that you, now that I know it's Roman, it does kind of sound badass. It's kind of growing on me a little yeah. bit. Well, it's like, yeah. like imagine that if you're walking down the street, I'm Navy, Navy SEAL Team 6. You know, that's essentially what it was like to say that. So, yeah, I, I think it's fairly cool. And then I was able to look up who that uh, John Rom's team did sign. It was a player named Jen, I'm probably going to butcher this, Jenna Chiro Kazuma, a Japanese player. He was one of the players that qualified through the promotion event. He finished T4th at the Saudi Open here recently and has a few um, top 10 finishes on the Asian Tour. I don't see any wins here, at least in his last 25 starts. So it looks like a fairly decent player. They're getting, but not someone who's going to be competing for number one spot in the lift stand. It's not okay. quite Carol Hatton or, or Finau or Cantlay or any of those guys we thought it could be right when John Rahm left. Nobody nobody that's a superstar that we thought would be on from the PGA going there. So, well, but he's not done. He's got two more to go. That's right. I mean, it still could be one of those guys that I just mentioned, but I guess we'll see. What else we got here? We got Tiger leaving Nike, okay? And this headline's a little misleading because – Nike Golf obviously stopped making equipment back in 2016. And since 2021, November of 2021, the company's share price has declined some 40%. So they've been in the apparel business, even though they stopped making equipment back in 2016. It seems to me that they're getting out of the golf apparel business, but it's just not happening happening immediately. I guess in 2024, Nike Golf is not shutting down, but its golf apparel division is going to be run through Strixon and Cleveland. We saw Jason Day this past week. He went from Nike apparel to Malvin Golf apparel. By the way, massive pants. <laughs> Literally massive pants blowing in the wind out in Hawaii. But as far as Tiger goes, he'll still be wearing the TW logo because he owns the right to that TW logo. And the most recent contract he signed with Nike was back in 2013 for $200 million. And he's made hundreds of millions of dollars you know, since he signed as a 20-year-old in 1996. So what are your thoughts on Tiger Woods leaving Nike? But really, it's Nike Golf shutting down, it looks like. They're in the process of kind of getting out of golf as far as Nike is concerned. Well, w- real quick, Sam, you mentioned it there. Jason Day's outfit is absolutely atrocious. I <laughs> could not imagine having to wear that. It was ridiculous looking. It looked like, looked like a 10-year-old went and picked his, their own outfit out is what that looked like. <laughs> Woody, but never did you see on those to, pants? Hold on. Woody, did you see those pants? Hey, let me tell you something, boys. Don't be laughing at those pants. Because if you saw some pictures of me back about when I was his age, I had some pants on. I, I've, I've learned how to deal with y'all's Lululemons and your little uh, uh, jogger pants that you wear. <laughs> it's kind of cool to see those baggy acts coming back again. I used to wear slacks that if you hit a match on them, they would melt. They were uh, they were called Sansa belts. But I hope there's somebody out there listening to our podcast that knows what a Sansa belt was. So, Come on, guys. Get out of the box. If, if he wants to wear the big baggy look, let's go with it. 
it was, I just imagine getting blown away at the Hawaii wind. It's a little bit out there. You'll be a parachute parasailing off of those cliffs out hey, there. Well, but never look, look at some of those clothes that Tiger wore when he first came out. Those shirts <laughs> would look like they were sizes too big. That's for our him. point. And we all had those it all changed. We, we got oh, smarter. Yeah, it, it's an era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what I mean. So maybe, hey, they're bringing it back. That's what people are saying. It's, where did they find that? Well, they went back 30 years, and that's what it looked you like. You know what? So, I wouldn't hate us going on, back to baggy clothes. That would be huge for a husky boy like me. Not fat husky, yeah. and sometimes the baggy <laughs> your clothes if they were in style would make me look a little bit better to be honest yeah i understand i understand and and y'all can y'all can attest to this remember 20 years ago where if you had shorts that were above the knee you were you were definitely looked at the wrong way they had to be below the knee there's the classic photos of all the nba players that got their shorts almost down to their ankles and now if you have shorts below the knee, they look extremely weird. So it's it just, yeah. it's just sign of the times, Woody. That's all I'm trying to say. It's yeah. like, it's like Jason Day went and cleaned out his grandpa's closet and found a few clothes <laughs> that he likes. So, Hey, well, he, he look on the bright side. He won't look like Lucas Glover did with his pants when he sweats in them because there'll be so much fabric, it can soak it all up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Good point, uh, Woody. you got to be able to protect from the ass sweat. That, yeah. I mean, those pants were so far off his ass, though. They were so loose that he probably wouldn't have even sweated on the fabric because they were so loose. But anyways, go ahead, T-Dub, <laughs> yeah. about Tiger leaving Nike. What were your thoughts? I uh, try to get back on track here. Jason Day's atrocious outfit is just throwing me yeah. for a loop, but I will – Try to get back on track. You're you're pretty much spot on, Sam. Yeah, Nike Golf, uh, their entire golf division is going to be gone just very much as the equipment was bye-bye-bye. The Nike Golf clothes and the apparel is probably going to be bye-bye as well. So it is definitely sad to see. You mentioned the stock price going down. It was all the way up to about $175 roughly a share, and now it's all the way down to $103, and it really hasn't been able to increase much with the pumping market as it has been over these last few months. So it's very, very weird signs for Nike. And so they're, they're trying to cut t- cut expenses anywhere that they can. And golf really hasn't been making money for them because at the end of the day, if Nike golf was making money, they obviously wouldn't get rid of it. So it is it is sad, Woody, to see in the end of an era, seeing Tiger go out there and a logo besides Nike is going to be weird. He hasn't worn their shoes since the car crash, I believe. So we kind of knew something was a little bit weird there. Now the question is, what company does he go to? There's rumors that TaylorMade is going to be an option. Seems like they're trying to expand their apparel since they they're not their relationship with Adidas is weird. But nevertheless, so that could be a thing. If he wants to do the work, I think the best thing for him to do would just be start his own line, Woody, because there's so much money that could be in there. Because everyone is going to go out and buy a golf shirt if it has the Tiger Woods logo on it. You can mark that baby up, and they'll still sell like no other. Yeah, that that would probably be the smartest thing he did. Well, Phil Knight, Phil Knight went out on a huge limb in 1996 when he when he took him on when everybody knew he was going to be a superstar, except all the guys on tour thought he wasn't because they were so full of themselves. Um, I think what you guys, as kids growing up, and Nike and Tiger were your idols. I mean, you guys, that was all you guys thought about was Tiger Woods. Guess what? Time keeps rolling along and things change. So without the sploosh, he's not going to be the same Tiger Woods. But then again, yeah, he is. So, well, I think it'll be fun to watch what he does. His own clothing line's a heck of an idea, though. 
a really good idea. Yeah, and I think that Nike got a little less popular talking about the apparel, uh, the golf apparel for Nike. Maybe got a little less popular when they stopped making equipment too. I don't know. Maybe that there's not a correlation there, but for their stock price to drop that much in you know since November of 2021 to now, I mean, do you think that had any correlation, T Dub, from you know them stopping the equipment back in 2016? No, there's so many factors that go into stock price dropping. Yeah, like that. Is it a is it a percentage of a factor? Absolutely, but how much is hard to be seen. There, there's so many other things that go on with the stock price to make it go down. It's absolutely crazy. But we're absolutely at a pinnacle in time, guys, because Tiger Woods is what 48, 49 years old now, and he's not going to be able to play golf at a high level for extremely much longer. Who knows if he actually will even be able to coming back from this? So where does golf? go from here when it comes to popularity it's obviously an uptrend now which is a good sign for the future but whenever you're dealing out such big purses at golf tournaments and things like that and then and then tiger's not going to be there down the line it's, it's going to be a pivotal time to see where it goes and maybe nike is saying you know we don't want to make a chance at that and then even when they're struggling a little bit you would think that nike's going to get back on track at some point but they don't want to go through the grind of the few years of not being able to get the apparel back up where they want it to with the hopes that it's going to start selling more but yes the fact that you're not having nike golf clubs out there and people being seen it's just not putting it in their head to be able to wear the clothes as well because when there's so many other clothing brands out there you're just so simple to go to a different alternative from there so yeah it's it, it, like i said it's an end of an era for nike golf i used to love their golf clubs i thought they made tremendous irons especially blade irons some of the best irons i've ever played were Nike stuff, and I, I love their, their woods there for about a five year. Yeah. Oh, they're so clean. Yeah, they had uh, you know the kind of the split cavity on them. It was a great, mm-hmm. great look. And then I love their drivers for about a uh, drivers and woods for about a five year stretch. They were really good. And then the golf ball was really good as well. The Nike one ball was very, very solid. I played that for for numerous years growing up, Woody. So yeah, it, it is sad to see. Nike, at this point, it's officially come to the end. So if you really like Nike golf stuff, you might as well stock up on it now because it's not going to be around for many more years to come. Well, you have to have a GOAT. You have to have a, a Michael Jordan. You have to have a Tiger Woods. No matter what the sport is, you have to have somebody that is just iconic. And Tiger Woods was iconic. He carried that brand. He carried it right up to the point where he couldn't play golf anymore from his injuries. And once he couldn't, they're not buying the swoosh because of Jason Day. Okay? People bought the Nike apparel because of Tiger Woods. Anybody that doesn't believe that's crazy, okay? You could have all those different guys wearing that, that, that swoosh, but it was Tiger that moved that needle. Always was and always has been. So once he's not in that limelight like he was, winning major championships, winning nine tournaments in a year, being on every front page of every cover of every golf publication. I get it. Yeah, you know, you can't afford to just keep throwing money out there and not getting any results from it. So there's still only one guy with Nike that, that is the guy, and that's Michael Jordan. And I, I don't see that ever changing, okay? Even though he's not playing basketball anymore, he had that needle and has never moved anywhere but up with that that logo with him so i think tiger tiger did a heck of a job for a lot of years for phil knight and the nike company they they both came out of it really well 
No doubt about it. And obviously, you know, the Jordan brand is even its own brand now. And he and MJ has grown that thing to massive, massive proportions, fellas. We could go on and on about Nike and Tiger and that connection. Our memories of playing those old Nike one platinum golf balls when we were kids, T-Dub. But we don't have enough time to do that today. So the one thing that I do want to get to about Tiger Woods real quick is at the end of his announcement, he said people will ask if there is another chapter he says, yes, there certainly will be another chapter. See you in L.A. And so that means that he's playing Riviera, fellas. That's what it means to me. Or do you think that he just means that he's going to have <laughs> he's gonna have his press conference at Riviera? I don't think so. I think he's playing at Riviera. And we're going to see what Brandy's wearing in L.A. at Riviera coming up here in February. Yes, barring a major setback, he will be playing at Riviera, but he is able to say that because it is a little bit of a hedge with him hosting the tournament. Doesn't say that he'll be there no matter what. So, yes, a little bit of a hedge there, but at the same time, no, it's a clear sign that he at least intends to play. Who knows? He may have a Dustin Johnson slip on the stairs incident and will not be able to play. So, hopefully, that's not the case. But, and barring something catastrophic, 99% chance he is seeing it up at Riviera. To be fair, we saw him in the Barstool video today and he was hitting, you know, 250-yard drives off his knees. <laughs> and the Barstool guys were asked about it. They were like, what were your thoughts about Tiger Woods out driving you? And he goes, and Riggs with Barstool on foreplay, he said, I just was hoping that he was not going to get hurt when he was on his knees hitting those tee shots. But yeah, Tiger looks great right now. He looks better than he has since the since the car crash. He's going to he's gonna make an appearance for sure. We know that. Well, I think he might even play... You know, he said once a month, I think he might, judging on how Riviera goes, I think he might push that a little bit because I know he wants to be both mentally and physically prepared for Augusta this year. I really still think in the back of his mind he can win at Augusta. And he, I truly believe he believes that. So I think he wants to get in some reps and he wants to get in some real battle on the golf course. Again, just see what he's got. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait. And one more thing before we get to our Sony Open preview. You alluded to it earlier, T-Dub and Woody, talking about Kisner. Kisner was on the broadcast this week, and he he had a great quote talking about Jordan Spieth missing about a three-and-a-half footer. And he's like, it's three feet, Jordan. Knock it in. And Jordan's talking to Michael Greller like, I don't know what the wind's doing. He backs off, and then he ends up missing the putt. And Kisner just goes, it's three feet. Knock it in. And I think that that is the type of commentary that the people out here are looking for. When we said a younger, fresher you know, guy that can kind of relate to all crowds, I think that Kisner's a great guy. Now, he still, I guess, is planning on playing a full schedule. But at the same time, if they offer him a big enough bag to go in the booth, I think that he would be very successful at it. I thought that Kisner was great to listen to, you know, a whole lot better than Azinger was for sure. Oh, the upgrade from Azinger to Kisner cannot even be quantified how great it was to see actually a fresh face. Someone who has recently been out there on tour is notorious for being a funny guy and has a classic don't give a shit mentality. I'd love to see it up there. I thought he did a great job. And even him being pretty much a rookie at this, it takes a while to, to get adjusted to things. So if he does this for a little bit of time, just get get a little bit more of repetition in there, I think he's going to be really, really good at this. But you're absolutely right. He does intend to, to still try to play, make it on the PJ Tour. He's actually in the field this week at the Sunday Open. There's only, I believe, eight players in the field who have less odds to win according to the analytics. So that goes to show 
the state of Kisner's game. It, only a couple of years ago, he was playing very, very solidly. And then last year was just by far the worst year that he's had uh, on the PGA Tour. He lost more than a full shot off the tee, lost almost a full shot approach to green. And then he's always putted extremely well as well. And then last year, he actually lost strokes on the green. So what it seems like that he's lost almost every aspect of his game, at least from where it was at the high level. He turns 40 next month. So I think the writing's on the wall, and he'll try to do it for a little bit. But knowing this, knowing that he has this opportunity in his back pocket, might free him up a little bit. He might start to play a little bit better than he did last year. We'll see. We'll see. I think he was good. I, I was. Uh, they're they're high on Jeff Ogilvy. I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, you know, they're they're saying they think he's the guy that's going to take over that spot. But boring. I, boring. I, I, well, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know why everybody's so high on him. I I, I know they're going to use him a couple times, so we'll get to get, compare the two. Kisner's the kind of guy that reminds me of a Faraday in a lot of ways. Maybe not quite as funny as Faraday, but he'll say stuff without really thinking about it, which can backfire. But in this case, I was watching that when Jordan Speed, it's three feet. I mean, and it, he stalked it like I've never seen. It. I mean, it took him forever to pull the trigger. And for Kisner to go, good Lord, Jordan, it's a three-footer. Just knock it in. The public, all of us are out there going, yeah, no kidding, dude. Just knock it in. So I think that Kisner could be really good as long as he didn't make some really stupid statement in this woke world we live in that gets him fired. Because... <laughs> Trust me, he makes one slip, which he could do, and boom. I mean, he's gone. So that's the only thing scary about Kisner. I don't think he's quite politically correct enough, but he might surprise me. And I think he kind of falls in the category of a Faraday or a McCord or in you know a different sport, Charles Barkley, where he can say something and get away with it, whereas you and I said it, or me and T-Dub said it, kind of like you, Woody, to be honest. You can get away with yep. saying more stuff than we can just because of your personality. Oh, that's just Woody. Oh, that's just Kisner. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think that that's yeah, what that's makes just, him entertaining, you know? Exactly, and that's, that's his only green light special he's got that he can probably get away with more than anybody else could and that's what we as a listener want him to do push the envelope push it out there not that i want him to get fired or anything like that but, push but we, want we want some entertainment we want some entertainment right that's right that's right oh 100 that's the thing you don't want dry humor out there you don't want the classic 1970s commentary where you get the, the low voice and the, he has a three-foot putt to win. Like, no one wants to hear that. Like, we, those times have come and gone. We want to see – we want to live philosophy golf, but louder. That's what we want. We want some humor when we watch the game. We want to be able to, to be entertained and also have some insight there as well, which I think Kisner will bring because he's still playing. He's been out there recently. He's friends with a lot of those guys out there, which I think is something that's very important. You can have a few stories that you can tell along the way. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of pluses to it. We'll see what happens with him intending to play and then NBC wanting to try to fill a role for that for this upcoming year. So there's a lot of puzzle pieces to be moved here. I'll be interested to see where it goes. And I hope somewhere at least down the road when Kisner decides to finally hang it up, he does go in the booth because I think he would uh, do a, a tremendous job. No, Who's doing that, Sony, guys? I'm Who's not sure. Who's going to be on the booth and Sony? Do you know, T-Dub? Who's doing the Sony? That's a good question. Probably someone like Kurt Byron because I don't think okay. it's on NBC. It's probably just on the Golf Channel. I think this 
this week and next week are just on the the, uh, the golf channel, so they'll just have probably their local crew there. Oh, okay. interested to see whatever whatever the next big live or not big live event, the next big PJ tournament that that NBC does have. That'll be the one where we need to see who they have. In. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fellas, let's move on to this week, uh, the Sony Open in Hawaii, and the defending champion is Siwoo Kim, and your top five favorites for the week are Russell Henley, Brian Harmon, Maddie Fitz, Tyrrell Hatton, and Corey Connors. T-Dub, this is the tournament last year where I went off the wall and picked Hayden Buckley because he won a tournament in Hawaii when I was in college. Going off the wall, he finishes second to Siwoo Kim. I'm going off the wall a little bit this week again, but not quite as off the wall as I went last week. But my question to you every single week, does the winner come out of your top five favorites on Data Golf? I'm going to go ahead and say no, that it does not. This tournament is a little bit of a quirky one. You'll see some guys come out of nowhere and win. For example, you're Hayden Buckley last year, who actually did have a 12th place finish the year before and then finished second there. So there might be a guy to look out for to play again because he obviously loves that track. Siwoo Kim won that year. You had the likes of uh, uh, Kevin Nall won here a couple years ago. Hideki did it, actually end up beating Russell Henley. That was actually a really good tournament. Cam Smith beat Brendan Steele coming down the stretch. But then, like, Kuchar's won here. Patton Kazire, JT actually won here back in the day. He won by seven shots. That's when he shot a 59 in the first round. But then, like, Fabian Gomez won here. Johnson Wagner, Mark Wilson. It's notorious wildlife is for being one of the flattest golf courses Ever. It's literally like there's no hills at all. Just boom, barren. So very, very drastically different for what they've seen last week at Kapalua. You think, oh, well, the two courses in Hawaii, they have to be somewhat similar. No, they're, they're not at all. Wildlife's got mm. fairly small greens as well. It's not overly tricky. There's not an abundance of places that you can, that's like, oh, well, we can't go here. Or we're going to make a triple bogey. It, it's nothing like that. But there's a lot of areas where you can make bogeys out there. And bogeys are, are fairly hard to come by. You have to be able to be Precise. The scores do get fairly low there if the wind's not blowing, but if they do get a little bit of wind, Woody, it can make for a little bit of a test where, like, for example, when Cam Smith won, it was 11 under par. And then a couple years ago when Hideki won, it was 23 under par. So you see a very vast difference of scores at this course. Well, I, you know, I like Wiley when I played out there. I, one of my highest finishes on tour was at Wiley, not, not just one time, a couple of times. So it's a great golf course from the standpoint of visual, guys. It, I mean, it sets up. It's flat. It is exactly what you said, T-Dub. But pretty narrow. There's a lot of pretty good driving holes. So if you don't drive the ball well, there, you're not going to play very well there. So, uh, And then the past years, they've grown the rough up really deep, which they didn't do that so much when I played there. But I think it's a cool little golf course. I enjoy watching Wiley probably more than I enjoy watching Kapalua. Uh, so I'm with you. I don't see that the winner coming out of that top five. But when we have tournaments like this, I don't ever see the winner coming out of the top five. There's just too many guys in the field that can pull something out. And and one thing you know it's going to do is it's going to blow at Wiley usually. So look for guys that are uh, good ball strikers again. No doubt. And I would also say look for guys – that have proven that they like putting on those grainy greens because, yes, the the course is not the same at all as Kapalua. However, the greens are still going to be way more grainy than what they see any other place on the PGA Tour in Hawaii. And so I would look at how guys have putted in the Sony Open or in the Century, you know, tournaments 
that have had super grainy greens. And I'll just go ahead and throw out my one-and-done pick for the week. This isn't necessarily my pick to win the golf tournament, but it's a guy who played really solid last week and has some good prior course history on this golf course I'm going with Ben on Ben on finished solo fourth last week at the century made $975,000 shot 26 under par last week and last year at Wiley at the Sony Open he finished tied for 12th and it was his best putting week of the year in 2023 and a guy who's proven that he likes the greens at Wiley so I'm going Ben on former USAM champion right here in Oklahoma. I really like that pick, Sam. He was on my short list of players as well. And when I was looking at the, the course fit for this course, Wildlife is, as Woody mentioned, he's more of a placement course off the tee. It's not one of those ones that you're going to necessarily overpower by any stretch. And you look at the history of it. It's one of the, actually the least favorable for long hitters. It's one of the, the least favorable whenever you look at it. So that is one of the reasons why I went with a player that I did this my one and done pick is quietly the 15th ranked player analytically it's absolutely crazy to see where he's come over this last year and he's he's really good putter around the greens and approach where he struggles at is with the driver he's not the longest player and he hits a little bit inaccurate that is 35 year old Eric Cole guys that's kind of this guy's come out of absolutely nowhere and has played some really good golf play four his 14th last week at the century, uh, the to end 2023, he finished third, second, and third. The last three events finished fourth at the Fortnite Championship in there. We keep, we keep talking about Chris Kirk's win at the Honda. That's where that uh, Eric Cole was actually in that playoff with a chance to win that tournament. That's really when we first heard of Eric Cole, a journeyman out there. So it's great to see him, Woody, like I mentioned, all the way up to 15th ranked player analytically. That's just absolutely crazy for me to say that. So I'm going to ride the train while it's hot and give me Eric Cole. Rookie of the year. You know, no sophomore slump, yeah. says T-Dub. Well, and, and, and honestly, the only guy I think that likes to play golf more than Eric Cole is Victor Hovland. And I think the two of them, it's neck and neck. Uh, because this Eric Cole, when he's not playing a PGA tournament, he goes plays a mini tournament. So, uh, you know, and I, I also talked about him last week. I thought he would have a good week, and he did. So, I like, I, you know what? I think both you guys have got good picks there. I think that uh, uh, this Eric Cole, I do think, is going to sneak in somewhere and win. And so good for you, T Dub. I think this could be your week. Uh, talking about picking a guy that nobody would pick. I think when you looked at Wiley, guys, it, it, it's going to probably not be a big name. And, and who it's going to be, I don't know, because I don't play the one and done. So, um, I think your all's picks so got a lot of merit because, see, those are the kind of guys I think that win at Wildlife. That's what I think. What do you guys think about a guy that we haven't talked about a whole lot uh, this year yet, but we talked about a whole lot when he was growing up here at Oak Tree National? That's Austin Eckroat, the 121st-ranked player on Data Golf, 95th in the official World Golf ranking. Um Austin Eckrow playing this week in the Sony Open. We've seen, you know, guys like a Robert Streb from Oklahoma play well in the Sony Open in the past. What are your thoughts on Eckrow this week, T-Dub? Well, there's a lot of good signs to look at for Eckrow for sure. Finished 12th here last year, so that's a good sign to see because he was just newly coming out on the PJ Tour at that point. Now he's had a full season under his belt. And to end last season at the RSM, he finished 8th. And then at the Worldwide Technology Championship, he finished 23rd. So end of the season, 
very, very well. Had a, a very poor stretch there from about July through October. His best finish was a T65. So it looked like he had a little bit of slump with his irons in there. But hopefully he's gotten that out of the way. And I think this is a good course fit for Austin. I think he's going to uh, have a really good week this week. And so, yeah, I, I hope that a friend of our show goes out there and plays well. It would be uh, great to see a, a good guy win a good tournament. Well, the wind, the wind's going to blow. Like I said, we know Austin can play in the wind. He grew up in Oklahoma. I think what you guys got to understand is it, it's it's like almost all sports, almost every major sport that you play. At, uh, once you get to a professional level, you you got a lot more going on. You you got to play more than what you normally would have when you played for sure in college for sure in many tours. You got to then pick which week you want to play. It's easy to see a burnout because if you think about it, every sport, basketball, those guys in college don't play an NBA season. Uh, Major League Baseball, are you kidding me? Those guys in college and minor league, they don't play anything close to that. Once you get to the big leagues, as we call it, everything changes a little bit. So, to think that Austin had a little dry spell, I, I get it. I, he he probably ran out of gas, or he probably got to tinker, and I don't know what he did. But here's the thing to keep in mind. All these guys now need to look at this top 50, top 60, top 70. Gentlemen, that's going to change their world. If they can get into those types of categories, it'll make all the difference in the world of how long they stay a professional golfer. So, they got to come out of the box. So I'm looking for Austin. I think he's one of those guys that might surprise you. He could win the doggone golf tournament. All of them are capable of winning it in that field almost. I can't say it. But there's 100 guys out there that could win it, and Austin's one of them. No doubt about it. Other local guys, Sam Stevens, who played his college golf at OSU, he's in the golf tournament. Robert Streb, who I just mentioned, he's had success here before. Um other big names in this tournament who we haven't mentioned, obviously Tagala is still in this event after he played well last week, finishing second at the Century. Um, you got Lucas Glover, Matt Kuchar, who loves Hawaii, right? But let me give you guys some notable names, and you guys pick out of these names. A guy like Keegan Bradley, or Justin Rose, or Hideki Matsuyama, or a Will Zalatoris. Does anyone kind of stick out to you out of those notable names that are in this golf tournament, T-Dub? What really sticks out to me is just seeing those list of names so far down on the chance to win a pretty crazy Hideki, who won here just a couple of years ago. It shows kind of the state of his game right there. But yeah, you can look at people that have played well at this course. Justin Rose has played very, very well here. He hasn't played here since 2017, I believe. But in 18 rounds, he's gained uh, more than a shot and a half average around the only two players in the field better than that are your boy Hayden Buckley and then Corey Connors who's who's in 20 rounds has gained about the same as Rose had just a little bit more so yeah it, it's interesting to see that list of names that far down and then someone that I don't believe we talked about either Ludwig Obear is in the field as well we're Good waiting point. for him right. to yes. break out he didn't have his best tournament last week at uh, at the century he finished 47th in there but one at the RSM before the season or before the season ended and then won at the Omega European Masters right around the time of the Ryder Cup. So we'll be interested to see if he breaks out because we know, Woody, with his talent, that it's going to be – it's going to come at some point, and it could very easily well be this week. Well, we all, we kind of got to mention, you know what, Dustin Rose shot the last round at 
Kapalua, 61. He was 12 under. He's 61. Okay, so we know Justin Rose is playing some pretty good golf if you shoot that, even though we said that golf course was easy. I get all that, but that's still low. So when you look at, like you said, a bear, a bear, well, what, what? We didn't even mention him, but he's there. there there's a bunch of these guys. Um, Keegan Bradley has said this year he wants to make sure he plays so good the next two years they can't keep him off the Ryder Cup team. Well, okay, there's some drive for you. There's some insight there. Will Zalatoris, we all want to see what is this putter going to do because we know he can hit it. So if the putter gets going and Will becomes the, a decent putter, he's kind of like Scotty and Colin Marcavo when he's hitting it well. So uh, there's some guys. Hey, I, I'm kind of really looking forward to uh, – oh, uh, Gosh, it went brain dead, but uh, he, he just had brain surgery. Speaking of brain dead, um, Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland had brain surgery, and uh, uh, they cut a piece of the skull out that was the size of a baseball. So this is his first tournament back uh, since he, he dropped off the tour, I believe it was April or May of last year. So um, that's, a, that's a good feel-good story. I want to see what he does. So, yeah, I kind of like a field of 144 guys more than 59 gentlemen. Yeah, I think it's just more fun to watch. Okay, so and we got so many Okies in it, and we got something to pull for now besides uh, what we had last week. No doubt about it. T Dub, anything to add before we get out of here and get people fired up for the Sony? Yeah, I think it's going to be a fairly entertaining tournament, all things considered. I think that there's a good amount of players. In here for it being the second tournament of the year, we got the Russell Hanley's, Brian Harmon's, Matty Fitz, Terrell Hatton's, uh, O'Bear. Yeah, there's a lot of good players here. And then even the names further down the list analytically, the Gala, who played great last week, Hideki, Will Zalatoris, got to see how he does. And then, what are you bringing up Gary Woodland? Something that I had not considered him, the fact that he had that brain surgery. I, I am definitely rooting for Gary. He's also known as a really likable guy out on the PGA Tour. So hopefully that works out well for him and so yeah it's uh hopefully we get this week done and we're another week closer to augusta that's what i'm crossing off on my calendar at this point you know the best thing about it again though sam what's that it's uh it's at night it's late night golf so uh if you're really into it get you a little lay over your uh around your neck and get you a mai tai fired <laughs> up and sit back and enjoy it no doubt about it nothing better than prime time golf and getting laid fellas uh that'll do it for us here <laughs> on the 73rd boy. hole podcast that was jim woodward and taylor williams i am sam humphreys and definitely Follow us on Apple Podcasts. It's absolutely free, and it just helps us out, and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode, and all of our new episodes are on thesportsanimal.com and the Sports Animal app as well. We'll see you next week and help you recap the Sony Open. Everyone enjoy the golf this weekend. This has been Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast. 